Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. I'm here with Mary Lynn Kiefer from Together All. Mary Lynn, welcome to Emotion Well. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, so you're our first international guest. Mary Lynn is from Canada, so uh, this is the first time we've had someone outside the U.S. on our podcast. But I'm excited to have you here today, Mary Lynn. We've known each other now for about six months. Uh, we started collaborating last winter on uh, partnering with Together All, and in May, EFR rolled out an additional benefit to our EAP called Together All. So go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, share a little bit about uh, you know what you're doing at Together All. Anything personal you want to share, and then we'll get into the topic, which is peer support. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And you're right. I am in Toronto, but um, Together All was actually founded in the UK, and we have a large presence in North America. Um, and my role at Together All, I'm the senior manager of partnerships. And uh, prior to joining Together All, um, which is an online peer support platform, which I'll go into a little bit more in a bit. Um, but prior to that, I was uh, working for a mental health charity called Made of Millions Foundation. So I've been in the mental health space for a number of years now. And um, a bit of background to how I landed in this space. So I have my master's in economics and finance, and so took a very different turn um, back in 2017 when I got into the mental health space. And primarily it was from my own experience with dealing with um, a lot of anxiety and what I later discovered was OCD. And uh, it was a bit of a light bulb moment in terms of just seeing how much we still needed to do when it came to supporting people's mental health. Um, living in Canada, I was surprised to see just how challenging it was to get the support that I needed. And so I left the corporate world and um, yeah, went started to to follow a new career path in mental health and and one that I'm obviously very passionate about from my own experience, but then also, um, yeah, just love love all the work that I've been doing in this space. Well, great. I'm excited to have you share about Together All and how peer support has helped you personally. I have some stories about how it's helped me over the past five years. And then just for our listeners to hopefully understand that, you know, giving and getting support from others going through like circumstances is really powerful. And it's one of many tools you can use to support your mental health. Uh, but at EFR, so I, I just remember being uh, notified that I think you approached us, I think Together All had approached us. I don't know if it was you specifically, but someone from Together All had reached out to uh, Tammy, my colleague and leader at EFR. And uh, we were interested immediately because this is a very unique uh, platform and it's unlike anything else that we've ever encountered. And so as we continually evolve our EAP benefit offerings, we're always looking for, you know, what could be a value add for an organization, but ultimately their team members, you know, the, the people who we're trying to support and peer support came on our radar. And then after many conversations with you and your team, we decided to roll this out in May for Mental Health Awareness Month. And so let's just segue into Together All. It is a platform. It's anonymous. 
peer support. So let's just start with peer support. Um, can you give us an overview of what that means, what that looks like, and then go into the specifics of what it looks like through the platform? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure many people are familiar with the term peer support and um, we use it a lot lately in the mental health space. It's by no means a replacement for therapy. It's quite complementary, and a lot of people um, might turn to peer support during in between sessions that they might have with a counselor. It could be a preventative approach where, you know, they, they feel like they might be having some symptoms of mental health, but it's not turned into anything where they feel they need to speak to a counselor about it. Or it could be a situation where, you know, they've had a number of sessions with a counselor and they feel like it's a great tool for ongoing therapy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that traditionally there's been peer support that can happen in person. Um, there's peer support groups that are online and then Together All is an online based peer support platform. Um, and I would say when I say online, it's not an app, but it can be accessed through a computer, through your cell phone. And the unique feature, the two unique features about this platform are it is anonymous, like you mentioned. And so at any point that you're on the site, either providing support or getting support, no one can identify who you are. And so there's that comfort level there in terms of if there is any personal stigma, it kind of removes that right there. Um, and then the other thing that's unique is it's monitored and moderated 24 seven by clinicians. Um, and so there is that level of safety there that, um, you know, if there are any members in situations where they need further support, then they can get amongst their peers. The clinicians can intervene and make sure that they're given and pointed in the right direction to receive either one-on-one -on -one support or just being uh, guided to other resources that might be available, for example, EFRs, EAP. Yeah. One of the things that I liked the most when it was brought to our attention was that it was monitored and moderated because I think a lot of times people go online for support to share their story, to get feedback from others, but in a traditional, let's say social media platform, you know, that can be just as harmful as it can be helpful. Right. And so that was the thing that I noticed as a differentiator with together all when I got on the platform was that, you know, everything was, it just, it felt very supportive and very, uh, healthy, healthy dialogue. I mean, there, there's so much as it relates to peer support that I think is underestimated. Like, you know, in my life, I've had circumstances where I felt very lonely, like no one could possibly understand what I'm living with, what I'm going through. I don't want to tell anyone. I don't feel comfortable telling anyone. But the moment I reached out uh, and I started first with counseling and then after several years of nudging, I joined a support group um, with other people going through a similar experience. It was a game changer for me. So, yeah, I still have my counselor and I'm still talking with her regularly, but in between those sessions, I have support from people who get it. And I felt a lot less lonely once I made those connections. And so I think with Together All, it's online. So the world of opportunity, it opens up 
vastly, right? So like you said, a lot of peer support groups, um, you know, started with in-person meetups or meetings or sessions, and those are great and valuable, but it really does limit you to a geographic location. Or if you're in maybe a rural community, um, you may not want to go to the local support group because you may feel outed or you may feel like, you know, you can't be as transparent and really get the support you need. Uh, and that's what I really like about Together All is that because it is anonymous and online, it really opens you up to a world of opportunities and people to connect with. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I wanted to mention it, like the people that are on the platform. So it's available to, I think around like 3 million plus people globally. And of course, not all of those 3 million people are on all the time, but we have tens of thousands of individuals that are uh, interacting and engaging on the platform each month. And so it's really, you know, people sharing a very broad range of experiences. So you don't necessarily have to have like a diagnosed mental health condition to go on there. It's really for people that are going through like situational situa situational issues, like, for example, work stress or caregiving stress or um, financial challenges or an anxiety disorder or bipolar disorder, you know, so regardless of what you're going through, you're definitely going to find somebody on there that can relate. And just going back to like some of the benefits, I think, of peer support. And I know that we're both going to share a bit more about our own personal experiences. But um, I think, you know, before I share a, a bit more about my personal experience with it, there is like what they call the helper effect, where when even if you're not right now going through something in particular, it's a platform where you can actually go on and just like lend an ear to somebody and also share what has worked for you. Perhaps yeah. in the past, you were also going through, um, you know, fertility issues, for example, and you've overcome that in whatever way, and you're just going on there to share what worked for you and some useful tools during that time. And in turn, that helps your own recovery. It's also, yeah. you know, gives you purpose and meaning and yeah. sharing your own. For um, me, experience. I feel like for me, um, sometimes I wonder like, why did I have to go through this? Or why is this happening? I used to say, why is this happening to me? But now I say, why is this happening for me? Because I think of it differently. But uh, for me, giving support and helping others who are in similar, you know, sets of circumstances, it, it makes me feel like, well, I went through this for a reason, you know, and maybe that reason today is that I'm able to lend a hand or, you know, share my story with someone else who really needs to hear that you can move forward in your life. You can make the changes you need to make. And so I think that's what's really wonderful about peer support and is kind of an unexpected gift, right? I think there probably are, and I'm making an assumption here, but do you think most people join together all because they want to get support? And then the surprise gift is that giving support feels just as good as getting support. I mean, yeah, I think that initially people might see it as a platform that they go to if they need help. And I, that's why I wanted to kind of mention that it's, it's not necessarily only if you are in need of help right now, it's right. also to go on there and also provide 
support if you are in a good place right now. And if you do want to, you know, be part of a community um, where you can add value and in turn help yourself, because we all know, you know, when we give it, you know, it gives back to us in turn. So, um, yeah, I think initially uh, people first go to the platform with that idea of seeking help, but then after spending some time, um, hopefully it shifts to realize that they can also provide that support okay. and experience. Whereas sometimes there are folks that come on to Together All that are typically underserved and traditionally have maybe a higher stigma in terms of reaching out for help. And so automatically, um, you know, given the fact that they can remain anonymous, it does remove that layer of uh, internal barriers that they might face when it comes to to getting help. So that's another, I think, um, something that we see a lot on the platform in particular, which is great because we're reaching people that aren't typically uh, reaching out for help in other ways. Yeah. Uh, so underserved populations and populations that carry more stigma. And then I'm even thinking geographical location. You know, I grew up in rural Iowa and there weren't a lot of resources for in-person support, therapy, counseling. You know, the the commute was 30 to 60 minutes to get that kind of support. And so I'm just thinking if you're in rural America, or rural Canada, wherever you may be, uh, this is a pathway to connecting with others because we know that connections, um, even when they happen virtually with strangers, can be really, really powerful. One thing I thought that was really unique about the platform is that there are so many different groups that you could uh, explore. And so um, perhaps you are a veteran or you're in ag agriculture, you might feel drawn to those groups. But can you share other? groups or categories of support that exist in the platform that people may be surprised by or may have a hard time finding in-person peer support for? Yeah, so there's kind of two ways that you can approach the platform. You can either tag, uh, like go in and look at various topics that people talk, are talking about. Um, so very specific to what they're dealing with, whether again, it's like anxiety, you can look for all posts that relate to anxiety. Uh, if it's work related stress, you can look at all posts related to that PTSD, you can tag it to look at all posts related to that. So you can kind of search based on what you would like to say, just read about. Um, and then when you when you also share, you can tag what you're sharing about so that Likewise, to people that are looking for for to to connect with other people um, on those particular areas, they can see your post. Um, the other option is to uh, join one of the specific groups, and the groups specifically, you know, we have a number of them. We don't cover all areas, but they look more so at um, like there's a parent and caregivers group, for example. So if you did want to specifically speak to other parents and caregivers about challenges related to that, then that would be a great group to uh, participate in. There's um, an agricultural industry group, like, like you mentioned. So anyone that works in, say, the farming community or the agricultural industry at large, there are people sometimes that do, you know, that their day-to-day -day is so specific and maybe people outside of their industry can't relate to it. 
And so there are, you know, groups where you can go in and feel like, okay, someone else understands because their day-to-day looks similar to mine. And so our stresses might be similar. Um, We have a group for educators, for example. So, uh, you know, in terms of looking at things like burnout and and various challenges that educators are facing, um, you can go onto that group. And then likewise with healthcare workers. And again, sometimes people might join the join the platform and say, I don't want to talk to other people that work in healthcare. I really want this to just, you know, connect with other people outside of my industry. It's a global community. So you'll be able to do that. But if you do have a very specific um, challenge that you're facing that you think only people in your profession are dealing with, then you can join one of these groups. So there is that flexibility um, to kind of play around with it and, and find what works best for you based on what you're going through. I think that for me, connecting with people who had similar lived experiences, it gave their support and occasional advice, more credibility in a way. So, you know, I would often talk to people who really couldn't relate and I knew couldn't relate. And I would sometimes get frustrated by the things they shared because in my situation, a lot of it was advice and advice wasn't really what I needed. I just needed to be heard. And so when I joined my, and this was an in-person and now it's moved to a virtual support group, uh, I felt like the people who were sharing with me, I because they understood more of what I was going through, and in some cases, almost exactly what I was going through, I felt like, yeah, I can. This person makes sense to me. I I don't feel resentment when this person shares or gives advice because sometimes I would feel those things uh, with people who couldn't understand and relate, and their intentions were really, really good. It was just that they were coming from such a different place you know, than, than I was in in that moment. Um, when you're going through the groups, is there a way to filter out? Like, I don't want to see anything about sexual assault, or I don't want to see anything about eating disorders. Can you set filters so that you don't have to interact with maybe groups that would not be helpful to your mental health? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can do that. Because as we know, you know, certain topics, um, might be triggering for for some of us. And so when we're going to a platform for support, we definitely don't want it to be a stressful situation. We want to feel safe and supported. So um, yes, you can, you know, filter it to tag any topics, uh, any posts related to topics that you don't want to see. So whether, um, you know, that might be around depression or or suicidal ideation or, you know, it's um you're able to to tailor that and also we do have the like i said before the the clinicians that are there 24/7 and so there is like a a way to directly get in touch with them if you did uh you know have any specific questions or um wanted that extra support in the moment um and they're also monitoring the site constantly so um you know it's, it's going to, you're going to feel, I think, supported in comparison to other forums. Yeah. So can you explain to our listeners how it would be different than going on? I'm just going to use Facebook as an example, going on Facebook and contributing to a post about, you know, something that someone may be going through and maybe a stranger or an acquaintance. Because I think as, you know, if you're listening to this episode right now, you, you may have a hard time visualizing what this looks like, but it is a message board. Um, and so you yeah. may think, oh, social media, but it is very different from social media. Can you 
give an example. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it it could look like a Facebook or something, but really it's just as a way to be able to navigate, you know, people are very familiar with navigating something like Facebook. So it's similar in, in that way, in terms of the user experience, you can really navigate it a lot more easier. Um, the the biggest difference is like you said, when with your own experience, you felt very safe and supported on there. I think one of the things that we do see a lot in these, um, some of these Facebook groups or different forums is there is a lot of bullying that takes place and a lot of judgment and they can turn, you know, you're going there for support and very quickly it can lead to um, a place where, you know, you just, it, there's a lot of negativity. And so um, because of this, you know, 24 seven moderation that's taking place, the clinicians are there to ensure that that environment is safe. And so if there are any posts that are, you know, bullying or can be, you know, seen as um, not supportive, then the clinicians can intervene and make sure that, um, you know, perhaps that post is removed or there's that direct communication with the individual to see what the situation is. But yeah, I mean, in the past when I was, you know, searching for information on OCD, I remember coming into some of these forums on like Reddit and stuff like that. And um, although, you know, a couple of times it was like nice to read a couple of things, it, it very quickly became a lot of advice giving. And I think that with Together All, it's very much more so people sharing their own experiences and what worked for them rather than um, you know, basically telling people what, what to do. So, so yeah, it's just like it, it, the, the, the clinical team, you know, they're all licensed professionals. And so, um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see when you're on the platform, but they're there really to make the experience a positive one. So when you first experienced peer support, was it in person or did you start with virtual? Yeah, so when I first um, heard about peer support and was recommended peer support, um, I was getting therapy uh, initially and I was really looking for something else just because, you know, at the time my symptoms were, it was a lot and I was really struggling and in between sessions I needed that ongoing support. And so, um, and this was for obsessive compulsive disorder. And so, a friend of mine in the UK who had gone through, you know, her own challenges in the past had recommended joining a peer support group. Um, and at the time I was hesitant just because I need the idea of speaking to a bunch of strangers about something very personal, um, that I was really struggling with was very scary. It's one thing to kind of, for me, at least it was one thing to open up to a therapist, which was easier for me. I know for some people that can be challenging as well. Um, but the idea of going out in a room with a bunch of strangers was, was scary, but I really needed that support. So I was willing and I trusted this person that recommended it. She was a good friend of mine. And so I took the chance and it was in person. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, I went into a room with strangers that were all sitting around a table. Um, they also all had OCD and, you know, some of them had been there a number of times. Other people were new like myself and, you know, it was pretty much an instant 
like relief to share my own experience of what I was going through that I thought I was the only one that was experiencing it. Um, and then all of a sudden sharing that to this table of people and then just being like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, I experienced that too. And it was like, there, yeah, there was just, I don't know, I guess a sense of relief that I wasn't the only one that was going through it, that I didn't feel trapped in my head as much anymore because there was this like outlet of people that I could turn to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was something that I continued to do and now, you know, work for a company that provides peer support. Um, and it's something that I really, really believe in. And I continue, you know, in my own personal life, um, volunteering and um, moderating some online peer support groups as well. Are you comfortable sharing without going into too much detail with regard to your OCD diagnosis? I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what obsessive compulsive disorder is. Are you able to share, you know, like I think the excessive hand washing is something that people think about, but it's so much yeah. more. Yeah, it is. And yeah, thanks for saying that because um, there is such a misconception. And I think that I suffered for a long time unnecessarily because I didn't know what I was dealing with was OCD because how you see it in the media, it's often, you know, excessive hand washing or checking or, you know, not stepping on cracks on the sidewalk. And absolutely like that is how symptoms do show up for some people. Um, For me, it was all mental, which is why it was harder to diagnose because no one could see what I was experiencing. And I didn't know how to explain what I was experiencing, but my, for me, it showed up with intrusive thoughts that were of a very taboo nature. Um, and how I dealt with those thoughts was by trying to get rid of them. And we all know when you try to get rid of something, it just sticks even more. Um, and so by trying to get rid of them, this is what I would call compulsions. And I would do things like you know, a lot of ruminating, a lot of research online to find out why I was thinking this way. And it really becomes a disorder, I think, when they say that you're spending at least four hours a day doing the compulsions. So whether it's checking, um, counting, doing research, just ruminating about, you know, why your thought process. Um And I share that and thanks for asking because there are a lot of people out there that do experience intrusive thoughts. And we, I think 90% of the population experiences intrusive thoughts where you have a thought and you're like, oh, whoa, that's weird. Why did I think that? An example might be, you know, standing on a subway platform and uh, having a thought like, oh, I could just jump into the subway right now, you know, or if you're on a balcony, yeah. And you could have that thought, you know, there's certain situations where we might have that thought, but majority of people will just dismiss that as like a, a strange thought. People with obsessive compulsive disorder really start to ruminate on, does that mean something? Does that mean something about myself? Um, and because oftentimes they're like more taboo related thoughts about harming yourself, harming others. Um Yeah. So it's actually, it's a pretty, it can be a pretty debilitating disorder. 
And um, I know from just being in the OCD community that your support is, you know, one of the things that is necessary and helpful along people's journey. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I think, I mean, you have to be very vulnerable to share anything about your, you know, personal life and your health and mental health, especially um, is something that, that is so important for people to talk about because, you know, chances are someone listening is probably experiencing something very similar to what you experienced. Um, and it's, it, yeah, it, you're vulnerable when you share those things. So uh, we had a podcast guest on, she was one of our first guests. Uh, her name was Haley and she shared that she had postpartum OCD. And mm. I always thought about postpartum depression as the most common mental health issue for new moms. And I, I think it is more common than postpartum OCD, but one of the way she described it was intrusive thoughts, uh, you know, and those thoughts were, you know, her baby was going to get hurt or her baby was going to die. And then her compulsive behavior was research, you know, and trying to figure out like ways she didn't have to carry the baby down the stairs or, you know, how she could keep the baby safe at all times. And that was one of the first times I ever heard OCD kind of framed in that way, where it's it's a thought that you can't get rid of. And then the compulsion is, you know, trying to manage that thought and trying to prevent that thought from ever happening. So, um, yeah, because I think her experience and I'm really grateful that you shared yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just to elaborate on that, I think what happens is you have that thought and it, it brings so much anxiety that you're essentially trying to get rid of that anxiety. And to do that, you start doing some behaviors that give you this sense of control, but really, and truly it's just, um, it's feeding the OCD more and more. And yeah, uh, postpartum OCD is quite common. And it's not only the fear of your child getting hurt, but oftentimes it's the mother fearing that they're going to hurt their child. And OCD often targets things that you value the most in life. And so here you have this mother that's in love with their newborn child and they have repetitive thoughts, you know, about hurting their child and it goes against everything in them. And so it is very distressing, which is why I'm grateful to have a few minutes to talk about that. Well, thank you. So if you're listening and have EFR's EAP benefit, you have access to Together All. I'm going to link to this in our show notes, but um, I'm also going to explain how you navigate to the Together All registration page from our website. So if you go to EFR.org under programs and services, you'll hover over employee assistance program, and then there will be a submenu and you would click on Together All. And from there, you just click the green button that says click here to register. And again, this is completely anonymous. Um, You do have to search for your organization simply so um, we know you have access to the benefit. Uh, So enter your organization or company name. Once you see that, select it, and then it'll walk you through a really short registration process. And I cannot emphasize enough that it is anonymous. Uh, We are not reporting any personal information back to employer groups about which of their employees have joined the platform. Um, It is truly anonymous. And also the information you submit is confidential that is not shared back with your employer. Anything else you'd like to say, Mary Lynn, before we wrap the conversation up? Um, No, I'm glad you mentioned the point about it being anonymous and confidential. Um, The only reason why, you know, we collect any information at all is in those very rare situations where we do need to intervene um, if someone's at risk, uh, to themselves or someone else, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much, um, 
you know, confidential. Uh, and then other than that, I would just say, you know, even if you aren't someone that feels that they need support right now, I highly recommend checking it out. Like I said, it's, there's nothing better than giving support. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, it might be something that you might find some value in. Um, so yeah, highly recommend checking it out. And yeah, just grateful for the partnership with EFR and you know, we've been partners now for, I guess, four or five months. So I'm just really excited to see um, how we can get this in front of, you know, more of your your clients to make sure that they they know that it exists and that it's a free resource for them. So that's well, it. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I will get all that information in the show notes for our listeners. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Casey Johnson. 